Welcome to part two of our conversation with David Castellanos, Chief Creative Officer of DDB Mexico. If you haven't already, listen to part one to get caught up on the conversation. Okay, I want to talk just briefly about some of the parameters and also resources that we have, uh, or just some of the factors within the business side of things. So budgets, timelines, you know, working within organizational structures, you know, sometimes it's much more lateral than it is like you don't necessarily have your entire team in one room collaborating together. Sometimes there's a lot of layers, you know, under what circumstances have you done some of your most creative work? Like thinking about like your one or two favorite pieces, like, because they were just great ideas. I don't know. Maybe you want to share one specifically with us. And like, what were the resources that you had? Like, was it like you had all the budget in the world that you wanted? You had six months to deliver. You had this incredible, huge team. It was like one of the sexiest brands in the world. Or did you have parameters? And what I want to get at here is like, do we need a lot to make a good idea? Like, is there any correlation between money and time uh, and a sexy brand and creativity? Well, it's a very hard question. I could say that first, yes, of course, there is a, yeah, actually a direct correlation among resources and results. Mm-hmm. That's why we see these huge winners at Cannes Lions, like Nike, like New York Times. You can see that those pieces of work have a lot of money behind. You know what I mean? Those pieces of work have a lot of money behind and a lot of thinking behind, which means they have a lot of time to think about that, to come up with that idea. And, and the best agencies, you know what, that they, their timelines are really good. I remember when I was working at Sachi LA, I would have like three weeks to think about the TV commercial, you know, like for a screen of TV commercial. Of course, in Mexico, that's crazy. You have one night, you know what I mean? Markets are different, but it's not always the case. Most of the ideas that I admire or that I have come up with, they are born in very difficult circumstances, stressful circumstances. For example, I have this example. When I was working at Sachi Los Angeles, there was this brief that nobody wanted, you know? It was about like an Argentinian cinema festival. And nobody would want it. Not, not a single creative being would like to have that brief. Because, of course, they would love to work on Toyota, which was the biggest account, or T-Mobile, or any other big brand that they had at those times. And then there was this little brief that nobody would care about. And in that time, I had a teammate, and we decided to take that brief, you know? And there was no, actually, there was no budget. The task was to come up with a commercial, with a TV commercial. And there was no budget. It would depend on the idea. You know, clients love to say that, that, oh, it depends on the idea if I have budget or or I don't have it. And then it had to be approved by the Argentinian Ministry of Culture. You know, it was a, of course, nobody would want that brief because it was a hard brief. And actually, they're they're with a lot of barriers and with no resources at all. But we took it. And we wrote a fun spot about a guy that actually is a real guy here in Mexico that is named Robocop, just as the movie. And that's, the, that's his real name. We wrote this spot about his life, you know, like how hard would be your life if you were named Robocop? <laughs> and pointed that idea to our executive creative director and then to our chief creative officer and then to the client and they love it. Because the whole idea was that if a, a movie is, was going to change your life, then make that movie the right one. 
Oh, that's really good. And of course, because it was like a, a like a cinema movie festival, it was about like art movie kind. You know what I mean? Like, so of course we were saying that you should be, you should watch these kind of movies instead of watching commercial movies, right? We uh, presented that. It got approved by every member of the Ministry of Culture in Argentina. And then there was no money to make it. And then we approached this duo of directors, you know, and we presented the idea to them and they loved it and they decided to do it for free. Imagine this, we didn't have money. So actually we went to Tijuana <laughs> to shoot it because of course it was cheaper to do so in Tijuana than in Los Angeles. That production company got it all, you know, like, like the casting, like the actors, the locations. And we just did it for fun, for the love of it, you know? It was an idea that everybody would love just by reading the script, you know? And then we produced it, and then there it was, and then it was aired in cinemas, actually, in movie theaters. I remember I went to the movie theater, to a movie theater, and they aired that commercial, and people would laugh a lot when watching it, and would applause at the end of it, you know what I mean? Like, this is crazy, people love this commercial, you know, and it's just a stupid thing, you know, it's just fun. And then... It was our most awarded commercial in the United States at those times. It was 2013. We won a Cannes Lion in film. We won a lot of awards for that TV spot. And it was a brief that nobody wanted. We didn't have competition. There was no other creative team pitching ideas for that. What a great example of just the power of an idea and And how people really get behind a great idea. Exactly. People, like we put love into the things we do. So it's not about the money for us. If we see a good idea, we do everything to, to make it real. As those guys, those directors, you know, like, yeah, let's do it for free because we like it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, totally. The awards of that and their career, careers improve just as ours. My teammate and I ended up in Boulder. That was our next stop. Somebody watched that TV spot at Cannes and we ended up working with Alex Boguski in Boulder, Colorado. You know what I mean? Like he loved that TV commercial and he hired us in his new agency at that time that was named Made Movement, a small show. It's all related to what I said. Good ideas win awards and awards make careers and make businesses. Wow. Okay. What a great example. Um, And something that you said that I just, I have to mention, people who love creating and love ideas, we really get behind a great idea. And it's not about the money. And we can't pay our rent on applause, you know, or awards. And so there is a balance to find between doing it for the love of it and also doing it such that all of the people who are putting their heart and soul into this and doing really great work are able to support themselves and pay their bills and the businesses that we are creating this advertising for continue to grow. And those businesses are healthy businesses. And I come from the world of music, which is like the poster child for like, well, you love making music, so you'll do it for free, right? You know, like, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. So how would it be? How would our world be if all great musicians actually got paid to be musicians? That would be really great. That would be really cool. And we would have even more amazing work you know, like music out there. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that because again, the worlds of creativity and business come together and it's not about money, but at the end of the day, those two things need to come together in some way. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, not just because you are good at something, you have to do it for free. And sometimes yeah. people, people think that, you know what I mean? Like, of course, this is a business, a very aggressive business full of sharks. And of course, there might be people that think that you can do that for free, but you shouldn't. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah. In terms of advertising creativity, if you win an award... You have to actually make that award turn into something good for your career. It's not just about the PR and saying that you are the most awarded guy in your, I don't know, neighborhood, whatever. What I'm trying to say is just winning an award is, again, one step of many. Winning an award means actually that you are good, that you are good and you have just won an award. That's it. You have to turn that award into something good, into a race, into a promotion. And that actually, in a phone call from another agency, if that doesn't happen to you after winning an award your award is worthless. You know what I mean? If you are winning yeah. awards to having them on a shelf just because they are shiny, then you are totally doing the wrong thing. Awards are to, of course, recognize that you are good at something, but awards are meant to improve the quality of your life. When I won my first Cannes Lion, it was in film. It was a bronze, like more than two years ago. And you know how I knew that that award was going to change my life? Because I got a raise because of that award, and I was able to buy a washing machine for my mother. Then I understood the magic of awards. I understood yeah. awards are supposed to make your life better. Yeah, that's interesting. I've actually been thinking about that this week with the Cannes Awards. Uh, one of my projects was submitted for several awards and we didn't win anything this year. But last year I had a beautiful project win two Cannes Lions and it, they were my first two Cannes Lions and we won two. And it was a really beautiful piece that I love. And uh, I didn't really do much with it. I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, like I'm like not a competitive person, I guess. So I just was kind of like, oh yeah, like we won some awards, you know, and talking to a lot of people and hearing my friends' stories this past week of being at Cannes and stuff. I'm just like, oh yeah, like that's pretty special. That's pretty special. And I probably should have told more people about it last year, you know? But, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, that would be my recommendation. If you win a Cannes Lion, I mean, if you win a Cannes Lion at any year, that means that you are within the 3% of creatives that actually win a Cannes Lion. You know what I mean? The 3% of the whole advertising industry worldwide. So probably that's something you should tweet about more or put it on your LinkedIn profile or your... Yeah, of course I, yeah, of course I put like, we won, but you know, it was for like the 300 people that follow me on Instagram, you know? I want to be mindful of our time uh, and actually maybe we'll make two podcasts out of this because there's nothing here that uh, isn't extremely valuable and insightful. But um, I have one more question that is a purely selfish question <laughs> I want to ask you about. And, you know, in, in checking out some of your work, like work that you've done over the last many years. I was listening to your work and I see that you have done a lot of pieces where music really drives the piece. In the overall kind of creative idea and in execution, because, you know, music is one of those unique things that is in both. Like it's very important that, well, it can be part of the creative idea and it can also be just in the execution or in both. Where does music sit in your opinion? Like what's your point of view on music in advertising? Well, I have to say that probably music is one of the most important parts of your work in terms of film or radio. You know, sometimes junior teams or junior copywriters think that once they have the script, that's it. 
It's going to win an award or it's going to sell more cars or it's going to be loved by the client. It is not. Once you have the idea, you have to carefully transform it into a reality. And that's where production companies or music production companies come in because you need to be very careful who you select to make your baby, you know? You have to have first a clear idea of what you want in terms of music because I have seen many times that some creatives just like brief musicians or music production houses just like, oh, something fun, something emotive, something emotional, you know? And, and that's not the way you should do it. If you know your story, if you know the arch of your story, you have to design a grateful masterpiece for your film or radio spot in terms of music. And that's very hard because sometimes you don't have budget, but as you say, and I know this for sure, every time you have a great idea in terms of music, vendors or providers are willing to help you with that. You know what I mean? Like when they see a good piece of work for a TV commercial, a musician is going to really, really like put all the effort behind it. And then what I'm, I'm trying to say is that music is very relevant. I, I have this example of work, a TV commercial for Time Out. I, I probably think you... Yes, you I love it. Yes. This, this very sad story about uh, uh, the ending of a relationship, right? When we made like the edit for that, we shot it. When we make the edit, we used uh, a reference, and, uh, and, uh, you know, a song, a very popular song for them. And... Man, like, like, you know, every time I play that TV commercial with that music reference for my people, for meetings, for everyone, every man in the meeting room would almost cry. <laughs> What's the sad part? That we couldn't use that song because, of course, it was like a real song. You know what I mean? From a band. And then we created what you probably heard. But my feeling is that we didn't get there. You know what I mean? Like the reference was better than actually the music that we ended up using. Yeah. That's very frustrating. That piece of work didn't win awards. Nothing happened with that piece. It's beautiful. But I have to admit that nothing relevant happened with that TV commercial. And you think <laughs> that it would have been more recognized if you were able to use the original song you wanted? Exactly. Or at least if a musician would understand what we were wanting and try to make it sound that way. I'm not talking about that sound alike. I'm talking about the essence of that. You know what but I mean? yeah, yeah. What I, I, what I am admitting here, as I, as I would like to talk about my successful things, I would have to be humble enough to talk about my not very successful parts, right? So I think that that commercial would be better if we would find a way to make the proper soundtrack for that. Okay. When did you talk about music on that piece? With whom? And at what stage of creating that piece? Okay, there are different stages where you talk about this. If it's very important in your idea that the idea depends on the music, there are some cases that actually work that way. You have to talk about that since the very beginning, since you write the first draft of the script. But in this case, which wasn't the case, you know what I mean? It was this love story and we didn't think about the music until the point of the treatment of the director. Once you have a script, once the client approves it, you go with, you know, production companies and you pitch that script to several directors and you choose one. And when that director presents his treatment, he presents how he's thinking in terms of music, your idea should be. That's the first instance that actually you talk about music. When you see the director's treatment or when the director is presenting his treatment, that's the first time you actually talk about music. That's the part where he or she is going to say, oh, and in terms of music, I'm thinking of this. And he's going to, to play for you some references. And you would say, oh, no, I prefer A or B or C or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's the actually first time 
a creative team, a creative director is going to face the topic of music. And then, of course, you kind of like, oh, okay, let's go with the reference number two. And then you go shoot the commercial, edit it, and post-produce it. And then in the post-production part is, again, when you start talking about music. Like, the director is going to present you the working progress of the musicians behind that. And right. adjusting, you start working with them. Probably not directly. It's very hard in the Mexican market and in the Latin American market. It's not common to see a creative director working alongside with a musician. That's more in the general market of the U.S. The director in the general market in the U.S., the director of the commercial, doesn't have this protagonism that they have in Latin American markets. So it's more common for a creative director to work directly with a musician in the U.S. than in Mexico, for example. In Mexico, you probably wouldn't have a lot of communication with the musician as a creative director. You would have it with the director of the commercial and then the director would talk directly to the musician. Probably that's a, you know, like, like a weak point. Like probably that's one of the reasons that it's very hard to come up with the ideal soundtrack for your commercial because there are a lot of like characters in between, you know? Yeah, totally. And I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, something that um, something that I, I think is important for us here, or at least has been for me and, you know, being from the U.S. and having my whole career in the U.S. and then starting a business in Mexico, looking at like what works well that they do in the U.S., and what works well that we do in Mexico, you know, or where whatever markets you've worked in, you know, but these are for, for you and for me, it's the US and Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, people who are listening can adjust their businesses based on that, you know? And yeah, that was a huge thing for me coming to Mexico. I mean, I spent the first nine months when I started my business working with production companies in Mexico. And I mean, it just wasn't working in a lot. Like if music was a really big part of the creative idea or was a big part of the film, it just doesn't work to be working with a producer at a production company because you're at the very bottom, you know, or end of the communication chain. Instead, probably it's very suffering, but that's a reality, you know, like... I have worked in the Mexican market, in Latin American markets, in the Hispanic market in the U.S. and in the general market of the U.S. So basically, there are a lot of differences. Um, in the U.S., as I said, you as a creative are in direct communication with every vendor, every stage of the process of creating an idea. And here in Mexico and in Latin America is this director that is the main touch point of the whole process. And then you communicate with him and he is going to communicate with the musician, with the post-producer, you know what I mean? With the, well, with the casting director. And then, of course, that kind of like slowed down or watered down the instructions or the feedback. But I don't know why. You know, it's probably just a cultural thing. Like, I would say that sometimes in Latin America, those things have relationship with egos you know what i mean like oh the director is the main character of this production so he or she has to be the main coachman and you know that in the u.s is not that way the director shoots the commercial and that's it i honestly don't know how to fix that in the mexican market or in latin american markets just uh, something that is that way because they have been doing it that way forever yeah that's one of those things but look i mean this is well i'm starting to change that <laughs> a little bit, which awesome. is like, it uh, takes a little bit more because I, you know, I am the, I'm the last person on the chain of the, you know, in, in music, but I, you know, it's, it's, uh, this is part of this podcast is like having these conversations because we can do it however we want. You know, anything is possible uh, just by willing to have the conversations that need to be had. And, you know, like kind of the underlying message that I hope gets conveyed throughout these podcasts is that anything is possible and put in the extra work that's required to, uh, 
to have things work well for you to be able to release the work that you want to be doing, you know, like to, to actually go to air with the work that you want to be doing. So I guess, I mean, my question would be is, is there something that you see that would be worth putting in practice in the office? Because we can have these conversations all day long, but like oh, I think yeah, what yeah. will be really sure. useful for, for people is how can we bring these things that we're talking about into practice in our offices every day or with our clients, you know? I mean, like I, I am trying to, to condense all that we have talked in just one sentence. And I would say that, you know, when you are in a job interview and recruiter or the interviewer like to hear that you are result oriented, you know, that is <laughs> people say that, oh, I am result oriented. And that means that you are willing to do anything in order to accomplish a goal. Well, what I'm going to say is that don't be result oriented, be idea oriented. So if you are idea-oriented, most of the struggles that we like to have these conversations about are going to be lowered or finished. You know what I mean? Like, for example, if you are idea-oriented, you are going to adapt your techniques to the idea, not the idea for the techniques, for example. So if you are idea-oriented, then you would totally understand that having the director talking to the musician with the instructions that the creative gave to him is not useful you know actually it's it's kind of dumb you know like just having one more stage in the communication process so if you are idea oriented you would totally understand that creatives or the creative director needs to talk directly to the musician in that example but if you are idea oriented you are going to see that actually probably you would have an answer to every challenge that you would face in a process if you are idea oriented you would do everything that nurtures the idea Okay. That could change your criteria of working every day. You would ask yourself if that meeting is worth it. You would ask yourself if sending that email is worth it. Or just having a conversation with the creative director would do the work. You know, if you have that criteria of being idea-oriented, a lot of questions that you ask yourself every day are going to be answered like that. I totally get it because it's like, look... We are so good at keeping ourselves busy with stuff and yeah. doing things. But like, if you're really just connected to the idea, all of the stuff that we're doing, half of it is not going to even be necessary or important. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's just about supporting and nurturing and portray, like communicating the idea that you have. And like in my own life, how I see that is like commitment. Like I, I talk to myself about like a uh, commitment, like, okay, well, what was my commitment with this? Like, what, like, why am I doing this? You know? So like with my, uh, with my business, <laughs> you know, actually, this is why I created this podcast is like, I, I knew that I needed to go to a new phase of communicating about my business and, and to talking to my clients, creating conversation with them. And my commitment is to be a contribution and have people love making music and putting music in their advertising in a way that says something and that like does something for the world and in a way that supports musicians and has musicians be able to support themselves off their music. You know, and so I got back to like me being a contribution and I was like, clearly, obviously I'm going to start a podcast, you know, and like all of the other things that I was like not wanting to do like business development type stuff is like irrelevant now because I connected back with the original idea, which is for me to use all of the experience and knowledge that I have in creating music and all of the people I've gotten to work with around the world to be a contribution. I mean, like, I was just, like, thinking when you approached me and we were starting, like, having this conversation about this podcast, I said to myself that this girl actually has something to say, you know, because 
Because otherwise you could do what every music producer would do, you know, like just pitching, showing credentials, making phone calls, having fancy drinks with your potential client. You know what I mean? And, and that doesn't make a difference. I could say that if, if someone listens to this podcast, would understand that you are passionate about what you do. They could think that if they go with you, if they like want to see your work, they probably could see some effort behind it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's... That doesn't have a price. That's the most valuable asset, the, the intangible fact that people is willing to do things just because they love it. And again, the result is going to be amazing because that is not, that is not something you buy. You know, that is something you get if you see what's behind the work. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's like authenticity, you know? It's like doing it authentically because it's what you want to do. Exactly. That's um, really amazing. Um, David, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for, for being with me and for kicking off the first podcast. Yes, I, I, being the first one at something, it's always hard. <laughs> well, you have done it with grace and uh, we have a lot of good stuff to share with people. So um, really, thank you. Is there anything else that you want to make sure and communicate to people or that you want people to know about you? Well, not, not about me. I don't think I'm interesting enough, but I would say that throughout all our conversation, probably I would love to people to take away a few things like question everything, being afraid is okay, and have fun. This is mm. a fun profession. If you are not having fun, then you are wasting your only one life. That's awesome. Well, with that, let's just um, finish this podcast. I don't think we could say anything else that's greater than just have fun and live your life the way that you want to live your life, you know? Yeah.